turning in the Word of God tonight to the Gospel of Mark and to the chapter 12. The Gospel of Mark, the 12th chapter, and we're reading only a short section right at the end of the chapter, 41 through 44. 12th chapter of the Gospel of Mark, and we're looking at verse 41. And Jesus sat over against the treasury, and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples, and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Amen. May the Lord add His blessing onto this short reading from His Word tonight. And again, continuing with the commendations of Christ, we come to number five tonight, and evidently the woman in view in these verses in Mark 12, 41 through 44. And to sketch in, as per usual, a little bit of background. Well, as far as we know here, and picking up from the incident as recorded by Mark, we can't be sure that our Lord even spoke to this woman directly, this woman that He spoke about. But what He did say about her is a thoroughly gracious word of commendation. Back in the Old Testament days, it would have been an obligation and a duty upon the people of God to come along with tithes and offerings and give them to the work of God. And so famously, we read in Malachi, the final book, the chapter 3 and the verse 10, "'Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse.'" that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive. And that was pretty typical and cumulative, as we find it in the final book of the Old Testament. That was typical of the obligation upon the people to bring their offerings to the Lord. You will see some kind of a change in emphasis when we get into New Testament times, and we have the books there, and the encouragement is to give to the Lord, give to His work, and to do it with joy in your heart as a privilege and as a delight. If you haven't noticed, then just check out the back two boxes and check out all the boxes in the main church, and you will find the words of 2 Corinthians 9 and 7 stamped all round the building. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not, and here are the key terms, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. 
And so you can see an emphasis here that is changed in New Testament practice where the big thrust is do it from the heart, do it from a sense of joy, not of necessity, not grudgingly, but do it with great cheer because God loveth a cheerful giver. We know the Bible has a lot to say about the stewardship of money, and the incident that we've turned to tonight in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, verse 41 through 44, it addresses that very issue. And our Lord comes with a commendation as a result of what happens here, and surely our ears should be pricked up, and we should be saying, well, what is our Lord encouraged by? And what does He single out? for particular praise, as he does very evidently here. number of lessons to be learned, one in the realm of perception, and the lesson is this, the Lord sees what we give to Him and what we keep for ourselves. So, in Mark 12 and verse 41, here's what we read, and Jesus sat over him against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. And so, our Lord here, He's looking as to what the people are giving, and whether that's casually or carefully they are giving, whether grudgingly or cheerfully, the terms in the verse that we've just cited, or giving in the least possible measure, or giving in the most possible, our Lord is ascertaining what is going on here. That could be rather unnerving. He still does this. He notices whether we're giving out of duty or whether we're coming with a thank offering unto the Lord because we are acknowledging He has given so much to us, and this is the least that we can give back in return. So, how a Christian gives to the Lord and to His work, of course, is a real and a true index of that Christian's heart and character as well. And it would make a difference, would it not, if we give to the Lord realizing that as we give, His eyes are looking at us just as He did here in Mark chapter 12, and there is that loving gaze of one, and He's sitting by the treasury. And we remember as well from Revelation 1.14 that His eyes are as a flame of fire. So, He is perceiving, understanding everything that is going on, seeing the bare activity, but also seeing the motive that lies behind that activity. So, we have the lesson in the realm of perception. But not only that, one of prosperity here, prosperity, and what I'm saying is simply this. The Lord not only sees what we give and what we hold back, but He sees as well, and He values the large gifts that are given by the rich people. In verse 41, we're told here that many that were rich cast in much. And then in 44, uh, some uh, measure of their quantity, again as underlined, they did cast in of their abundance. I know a lot of people would be very much uncomfortable if when we put out our annual financial report, there was not just a number and therefore you were left anonymous, but your name should be 
printed there against what you had given into the church. I know in Presbyterian circles that had been in the past, maybe still is, very current, and I recognize most people would be pretty much unnerved should that be done, and I'm not advocating for it. But back here we have public giving. People were coming, giving their gifts publicly, and some people would have come with a great deal of demonstration to show what they were giving to the Lord. And there would have been applause when the gifts that were coming in were large, and maybe less so, of course, when the gifts were somewhat smaller. And how wonderful it is if we are blessed by God to be able to come along and give a large gift into His work and His service. And it's wonderful when people who know the blessing of God upon their daily labor and they become wealthy Christians, how wonderful it is when they become good stewards with all the wealth that God has entrusted them. And there's no doubt over the years, right through history, the Lord's work has benefited tremendously by those wealthy children of God who have given generously, and they have sustained or helped to sustain the work of God, both here on the home front and away in the mission field as well. And if you look to, and this is a point that should be raised whenever people start talking against the church of Jesus Christ, if you look at all of the charitable institutions that were set up over the years, Bernardo's and Mueller's orphanages and so on, many, many times you can multiply that virtually every time. Lying behind it, inspiring it, was the finance of God's own people check it out in his stream, it bears out what I'm saying. In fact, I was checking about giving to charities, so not specifically the Lord's work, but charitable giving. And there was a United States survey back in 2014, so only 10 years ago, and the title of the project was, Who Gives Most to Charity? I'm going to quote just a couple of lines out of that report. And what they were saying was this, it is easy to think of philanthropy as something done by the very wealthy, or big foundations, or prosperous companies. Actually, they say, of the $358 billion that Americans gave to charity in 2014, only 14% came from foundation grants, and just 5% from corporations. The rest, 81%, came from individuals. And among the individual givers in the United States, while the wealthy do their part, the vast predominance of offerings come from average citizens of moderate income. And I'm thinking, is that not also true of the church of Jesus Christ upon the earth? That the majority of the offerings are coming in from average citizens of moderate income, but who are saying out of their heart of gratitude, Lord, you have given everything I have, and here's just something in return. So there's the thought here. In the first place, a perception the Lord's seeing of prosperity, noting that, yes, the rich are giving off their measure, out of their abundance, to the work of God, but there's 
another thought of preciousness coming through, and that is the Lord sees and He also counts as precious. Those small gifts given by those who were quite poor, poor by the world's standard of measurement. And in verse 42, we're told here in Mark 12, and there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. By any calculation, the monetary value of her gift that day was very small. I don't think the crowds would have noticed what she gave or would have been enthused or excited in the least by her contribution. But that didn't matter. The assessment of the crowd was not important. She received tremendous praise from the lips of the Lord. How gracious were His words of commendation here. Others may have dismissed it a gift too small to count, but Jesus esteemed it to be the greatest offering brought to the treasury that entire day. Now, her gift certainly underlines one point. There are no excuses for not giving. If she can give, we all can give. We may say, well, we can't compete with the big shots and with those people who financially are far better off than we are. We could argue, well, the church doesn't really need our money and God's work will be sustained whether we give or not, but what a blessing it is if we set aside what belongs to the Lord, which is His due. 2 Corinthians 8 and 5, and this they did, not as we hope, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. So here was a people doing what this woman did, and in terms of serving Christ, whatever they had, they put at His disposal, and they said, Lord, you've given it to us, it's thine, take it back. And then we've also got another thought in the realm of potential. Potential. The Lord measures our gift, not by the amount given, but by the amount kept. And if you look at verse 43 and verse 44 of Mark 12, and He called unto Him His disciples, here's something you men, He's saying to them, should note, and He saith unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury, for all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Those that had been contributing on a big scale that day, were giving off their surplus. They were going home with full pockets. This woman, her coins hardly even created a tinkle as they went into the treasury. But she went home with an empty bag. She had nothing left. 
All they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. And our Lord is ascertaining and saying, this is the greatest gift by far. How different heaven's arithmetic is to ours. And here with our Lord, the quality of the giving is counting far more than the actual quantity that is being handed over. And our Lord comes right in on this incident. And the whole crowd becomes a blur, and this one widow is in sharp focus. And he's saying to his disciples, did you see what just happened there? This is the most notable event of the entire day. And he's commending her for the quality of her giving. And he's saying she's given more than anybody else this whole day. God is never a debtor to His children. And we know if we honor Him with our substance and our love gifts are generous and our offerings regular, we know we can be quite sure, according to His promise, our needs will be met, Philippians 4 and 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus, and it's undoubted to this poor widow who came with everything she had and left with nothing, it's undoubted that she was highly and heavily rewarded by a God of grace. The Savior took note of her. We're still reading about her. Even though she's anonymous to us, we're still admiring what she did and even touched in her hearts at the depth of this generosity. A final thought. We have perception, prosperity, preciousness, potential. Let's have perspective here, because we definitely get that in Mark 12, 41 to 44. The secret of dedicated giving is recognizing everything we have belongs to the Lord even all her living. That's the terms that our Lord uses about her gift. In verse 44, she of her wanted cast in all that she had, even all her living. No matter what possessions we do have in this life, all of it is the Lord's, our house, our children our money, our car. They're not mine. They're His. I am a trustee, a steward. And how does that principle apply to money? Well, if I recognize that all that I have belongs to the Lord, will I not be saying, how much shall I give to Him? Or how much of the Lord's money would He want me to keep for my own needs? Here she's so in love with God and His service that she's giving all her living that's real, genuine generosity, right to the point of sacrifice.
And that was real faith. It takes real faith, such as she exercised here when she dropped all she had into the treasury, out of sight, out of her hand, out of her control now. It's gone, but it takes real faith to do that, to give everything, and then trust God for the next provision, because that's what she had to do. And the secret of the whole matter is surely that she's giving to the Lord. She's not coming to garnish the temple. She's giving to the Lord Himself. And as she drops that tiny yet magnificent gift into the treasury, her heart is actually saying, what I am doing here is saying to the Lord, thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift, because He's blessed me in a way that no money could ever compensate. Back to Christina Rossetti's carol in the bleak midwinter, what can I give Him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what can I give Him? give my heart. With a big year of service in 2024, there is no doubt about it. We have a mission to prepare for. We have ongoing activities week by week, bringing children in, praying their parents in, having services to bring them in. There's room for everybody's involvement. What can I give him? Give my heart. And may the Lord have that. All that we have, she of her want, did cast in all that she had, even all her living. And may we put our lives this year at God's disposal and say, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Make me willing to do it, whatever it is, even to the point where it costs.